Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That. This is the podcast that celebrates films we think might be underrated, underappreciated, underseen, or just sometimes we really, really wanted to talk about them. I'm your host this week, Alice Oliver. With me, as always, is Josh Hallam, and it was his turn to pick the film this week, and he went with Van Helsing from 2004. So, let's get stuck in. I was going to try and make like a vampire, some sort of vampire, like... Let's get our teeth into it. Get our teeth into it. That's it. That's what I should have said. So Let's listeners, suck just, its blood. just pretend I said that. Um, so, Josh, you picked this week's film, as I said, Van Helsing from 2004. Spoiler warning, listeners, if you haven't seen it yet. So do tell us, what is it about and why did you pick it? Oh, what is it about? What is it about? Um, it's So Van Helsing is a, he's a monster hunter in the sort of late 1800s and he goes after werewolves and and dracula and dr jekyll and mr hyde and all that he works for some sort of secret organization linked with the catholic church doesn't really i'm not too sure what it is gets sent to transylvania to go after dracula and that's pretty much it it's got hugh jackman in it with lovely long hair playing van helsing kate beckinsale uh, as the uh, as anna targaryen targaryen is it Oh, I'm not sure. Valerius. 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 Yeah, that's Game of Thrones. Yes. And um, Kate Beckinsale's in it as Anna. <laughs> that's her character's <laughs> name. And Richard Roxburgh is in it as Dracula. It's the same team who made the Mummy films, or mm. certainly the first two, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Um, why did I pick it, Alice? Um, I just wanted to see your reaction. No, okay, I... Okay, well, it was a good one, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, 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 so I, I, um, I picked it because I think it's underrated. Now... Okay. This is a flawed film. Mm-hmm. Some may even say this is a bad film. Ooh. But I'm not one of those people. I think it gets more hate than it deserves. It is mm. flawed. Oh, there are issues, Alice. Oh, there are issues. But you know what? It's not as bad as I think some of the critical reception particularly suggests it is. Ooh, it's probably not underseen because it, I think it did do quite well when it came out. Although I think okay. you could argue, as we have done with other films, that perhaps people aren't going back and watching it. And also, I did sort of think, I'm not sure if we've done a Hugh Jackman film. <gasps> oh, that is an interesting point. Yeah, so oh. so that's, that's why I picked it. That's what it's about. So, okay. <laughs> had you seen Van Helsing before? Well, Josh, that oh, that I say a resounding half-hearted sort of. So <laughs> I went to go a bit. Yes, I went to go and see this film in the cinema with my friend Gwen, who I've mentioned mm. before because she Shout and I used to Gwen. like Josh Hartnett a lot. So, yeah. um, 
So yes, went to go watch it in the cinema with Gwen, and we both fell asleep. Um, so my my lasting kind of feeling of this film is that it's not good because of that. Because you fell asleep. Because we fell asleep. Now I will say, I I have fallen asleep in the cinema quite a lot unfortunately, mm. but I think this was the first ever time <laughs> that I knew it was possible to fall asleep in the cinema. <laughs> so is this our first underseen because you never actually fully saw it? Uh, yes, exactly is it this our literal underseen? It's underseen because I saw maybe 20 minutes, half under-seen, an hour. Underseen, overslept? Yeah, and then just had a real good nap. Um, <laughs> so you fall, fell asleep 20 minutes in and I, that was I to the know. end of the film it must have been I just don't remember like I knew Hugh Jackman was in it I knew obviously it was about Van Helsing vampires whatever but I couldn't really remember it I just always thought well I fell asleep therefore the film must not be very good which I don't think is really fair because I'm just a bit sleepy like, so yeah on, I was going to so. say did you fall asleep because it was boring or did you fall asleep because it was tired because th- you not, it was tired you're not in it sorry I'm you were tired it, <laughs> um, I, I really don't know but it was the first film that I ever fell asleep to in the cinema. The so I was film. like, oh God, it must be Special bad. time in every teenager's life. Yeah, when that the first, first When that first <laughs> falling asleep in the cinema happens. That nap in the cinema is like no <laughs> other never, nap. I've never, ever fallen asleep in the you. cinema. Have you not? No. No. I've, I've fallen asleep at home better. many times. Yeah. It's usually because I'd usually end up drinking. And, and right. so I always drink oh, I too much in, in the cinema. Bit of, not not bit for this, a, I was a bit young. But, bit um, of like a, yeah, I see you. So like, I was going to say, is it is it like a, a learnt reaction. It's like my partner always falls asleep in the car yeah. as a passenger, not when she's driving. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so like as soon as you get onto like a dark motorway or a dark road mm. where there's no twists and turns, she's out. It's like hypnosis, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, so is it a bit like that? But obviously, as you've said, you were just probably a teenager. You, was probably, you probably stayed up late or something, had you? Or... Exactly. I mean, if I was with yeah. Gwen, I'd definitely oh, stay up late. Partying in real. Right. As you know, used you to know Gwen, real good time. <laughs> real good time. Exactly. Good um, good okay, so so you, this is sort of the first time you've properly given it your undivided attention. Indeed. What did you think? So I did have low expectations going in, mm. but I thought it was okay. Yeah, I thought. Okay. I thought that it was it. So it's like fun. It's like this fun horror fantasy romp, isn't it? With yeah, with like some good acting, some not good acting, some great <laughs> visuals, and some not great visuals. This was a bit of a theme throughout. I thought where like sometimes certain elements of the film were quite impressive, but then like the quality was never sustained, or like the quality was inconsistent, shall we say? But there were definitely a few good moments in there, mm. and I think if you like like Hammer Horror or even Tim Burton or things like the Gremlins, then I think Mm. this would really be for you. And I definitely reckon that there is an audience for for this. I reckon some people love this. Yeah, I think so. So like like you say, if you like those, or if you like classic horror, like universal horror, that's what it's aiming for, I think. That that whole, you know, think think of Frankenstein's lab on Halloween. Yes. That's what it's trying yes. to go for with, you know, with, with like Tesla coils and dripping test tubes and goo everywhere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's it's trying to, it's sort of like a serious monster mash, isn't it? It is indeed that's, a big that's old what it, monster mash. That's what it's trying to be. And I do, th- I, look, you know, this film doesn't take itself too seriously. I don't Not think it all. does anyway. And I do think it is big, dumb fun. There are issues with it, like you say, with, with the consistency of some of the stuff. But let's get stuck into the positives first. What did you sort of specifically like about it? You obviously like some stuff, so what was it? So, you know what? The real star of the show for this, for me, was the music. 
Like mm. I thought it was really big, it was dramatic, it was exciting, and it straddled the horror and uh, drama genres really well. It all felt very scene appropriate and it heightened a lot of my feelings towards the film. And that was one of the things that I do think was very consistent. It was consistently good all the way through the film. I thought it sounded brilliant. Um, I thought Hugh Jackman was perfect for this. Absolutely perfect. I think he looks and sounds great as Van Helsing. And I think you can see that he's trying so hard and really giving it his all. Like he hasn't gone into this half-arsed, I don't think. His performance, I thought, was consistently good throughout, except for just one thing at the end. And again, spoiler warning listeners, but when Anna dies and he like cries out, he's like, Aah! I was like, that's yeah, a little bit much. That's a he's, little a bit, much. he's a bit <laughs> hamstrung in that bit as well, isn't it? Because again, he... Because he's turning back from a werewolf to a human. Yeah. It's, meant, it's meant to be these like howling into a scream. So he's meant to be like going, oh, and then going into, oh, I'm so sad. And it just, it, it's just shit in it. It's a bit like, it, it, it's it, is, a bit it is shit that bit. It was. <laughs> but um, you are right. He is, he, I get the impression with Hugh Jackman, he, he just, he does go into everything with absolutely all guns blazing. Like I've never seen him give a performance where you think, and you know, there are plenty of actors like this as well, but you know, there are some actors where you think you're there for the paycheck. Yeah. Or you you don't really get the character or you don't really get like the feel of the film. He goes for it, doesn't he, in this? He he really goes for it. And I I remember like, as I was watching it, I was really watching him and I was really watching his eyes because I feel like an actor's eyes can really give them away. Like, if they're not feeling it, if they don't either don't want to be here or, you know, mm. maybe they're not getting on with people on set, whatever it may be, I feel like their eyes can really give it away. So I was really looking at him and be like, right, what's Hugh thinking? Where's he at with this? And for me, from my observation, he was just into it. Yeah. And he was just giving it his all and he was just loving it. And I thought He's a that, great that's leading really... man as well. Oh, he is. I think certainly. he's a. Re- I think he's a. Re- I think he's a really great leader. Also, I was watching this thinking, he's a bit like Tom Cruise in that I'm not sure there's a haircut he can't have. Oh, I totally like, agree. To go from like Wolverine, yeah, to that, and you're like, <laughs> there's no way. Like I do that. I like a prig, right? <laughs> but he's one of these. Blo- you know, I suppose it's because that thing. There's a reason why the guy's a leading man, right? You know, he's mm. handsome and all that sort of stuff. That's what a leading man often is. Um, but in, in, it is like that hair would not work on everyone, but looks no. great. Great hair. So yeah. It looks like a head and shoulders advert in this. It does. It does. Fabulous hair. <laughs> what else? With what else? Cool, cool guy hat as well. Um, I really enjoyed some of the snowy aesthetic of Transylvania. So I found that quite engaging and that really drew me in. And I think it really helped the story to like pop off a bit more and offered quite a dramatic setting for the action to take place, as well as conveying obviously the hostility of the location and how Van Helsing and then us as the audience aren't welcome there. Um, There were a couple of moments as well that I just picked up on that I really enjoyed in particular. The first one being when, now you may have to fill in some of the details on Mm. this for me, but so Van Helsing, he's traveling. I think he's taking Frankenstein's monster somewhere and he's traveling by horse and cart Mm. to get somewhere. And there's like a bit of a montage Mm. of him as he goes on his way. And the sequence is kind of of him riding the horse and it's edited together with images of maps and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sort of edited in such a way to show the passage of time. And I just kind of really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the style. It made it feel really atmospheric. And it kind of reminded me of really early cinema, just thinking back to things like German expressionism, that I see a lot of that in this. 
And then I do believe he gets attacked at some point as well, or there's like a big fight and something gets set on fire. And I just really found this whole sequence quite engaging. It was quite dramatic. It felt really active. The camera felt really fast paced. And it was just, for lack of a better word, it was just cool. Yeah, it is quite a cool. I do think it's designed. It's probably aged a little bit now, but I remember at the time thinking it's de it's definitely been designed to be cool, like the whole look of the film. So, did you think the action was was quite good, or were you not Some, that bothered on it? it I think the action was kind of one of the things that was a little bit inconsistent for right. me. I, yeah, I thought that some it? scenes were really good, some not so much. There were there was a lot. Um, especially early on, I think it's when they just land in Transylvania, they get attacked by Dracula's like two lady Dracula's vampire. Brides. Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of that, you don't actually see sort of um the the uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but like you don't see the fists plowing into people's bodies or you don't see the physical attack. No. You just sort of see the result of it. So you see people like rolling away or getting pushed away and stuff. And it was a bit like, oh, it's a shame, because I quite like I like stylish violence in films. Mm, like I yeah, do, yeah. I do enjoy that. Like you know, natural born killers, that sort of thing. I really enjoy it. Um, and so I was, I felt a bit like, oh, I'd like to see more <laughs> of, the, of the stylish <laughs> violence that's happening, please. Um, but then other times towards the end, sort of during that sequence where he is traveling on the horse and cart, and definitely the sort of climax of the film. And this is this leads me on to the second moment of the film that I was going to mention that I really like is the big monster fight between a werewolf and Dracula. Yeah. I thought it was sick. It's good, isn't it? Big, I big, thought it was really some, good. You know, some are CGI stronger than others. But yeah, I, I, so I do think the action is pretty good in this. Like you say, it's a little inconsistent in places, but that might be down to you know, the fact that they're trying to get it through as a 12A or, or, or whatever. Sometimes oh, that, can, yeah. that can happen. For the lower rating, yeah. Um, so for you, is this the first time you'd seen this in, in quite some time? But so I take it from the fact that you said it's got quite a lot of nostalgia that you saw it when it probably first yeah, came out. Yeah, I saw out. it the pictures when it came out. And Did I you, yeah. And I Did definitely... you fall asleep? No, no, I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> I was uh, I was too much of a nerd. I was probably there. Yeah. I'm there for the monsters, so I'm going to stay awake. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I... I I did see it in the cinema. I did have it on DVD um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I hadn't seen it for a couple of years, though. This was one that um, I think that I might have seen it advertised like on telly mm. or something like that and then Googled it and seen it had a low score and thought, oh, I'll pick that oh, up for yes. the podcast. So it certainly hadn't watched it for a good number of years. Um, and do you know what? A lot of it for me still still held up. Mm. Probably would say it's the least I've enjoyed it in terms of trying to find it to, to to view it critically but yeah. that doesn't mean it was bad so i do mm. like a lot about it so I, I love the idea so i remember when it was being mm. made the idea behind it the sort of main push of the market it was this is dracula a werewolf and frankenstein in one film mm. that's my defining memory of like the adverts and the because I used to read Total Film and Empire, and that was the push. The thing was the you know the marketing team, the production team were very much like, what if we do all those monsters in <laughs> one film in mm -hmm. like a you know pre Avengers team up of Universal monsters sort of thing? Um, this was also around the time of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, so I don't know if they were also trying to you know if there was a bit of a clash of ideas there because that's quite similar, and obviously all the characters are all out of copyright, um, so I don't know if there's a thing there with it as well, but. I remember that idea, and I, I think, look, it is a little bit bloated, but I think they nail that quite well. I really like the opening sequence, so I like the idea. 
And I think the idea informs what I enjoy about it. So I do think it's got a good action, which we've already touched on. I don't think we need to get into that anymore. But I like the look of the film as well. So it's sort of it's sort of a steampunk mixed with 30s universal horror, right? So they start with you fairly, you know, what everyone would think of as Frankenstein's monster being born, then being chased by the villagers. And it's all in black and white. But I like that I what they've done with the lab, Frankenstein's lab, how it looks going to the burning windmill, people with pitch, pitchforks. It looks like what you expect from a Frankenstein film of the villagers not understanding him and, and going after him and him doing a lot of yelling and stuff like that. And, and I like that. Uh, and then I like the look of like Van Helsing. He looks like you say, he looks cool. Big long coat, loads of cool gadgets. I like that sort of look. It never really comes off in films. I don't think, I can't think of a film where they have this steampunk look where it's not considered to be shit. <laughs> like if you think of, think of this League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Wild Wild West. There's other ones as well that don't come to mind. It always, I don't know, I think it always gets accused of being style over substance a little bit. Mm. Um, but I, you know what? I, I don't mind this. I think it looks quite good. As I've already touched on, it's the same team as The Mummy, which I think you can tell um, it's nowhere near as good as The Mummy um, because I, I would, you know, as, as M has said many times on Verbal Diorama, it's one, you know, it could be a perfect blockbuster. It might be the perfect blockbuster. Love The Mummy films. This isn't that, but... I still think it's a decent fantasy action film. Um, and I think I think there's still things you can like in it. Look, some of the effects haven't aged as well, and we'll come mm -hmm. on to that. But it's not... You've got to bear in mind, this is 2004, so it's sure. not... They're doing a lot with the CGI. And I remember, again, the CGI being like... So the motion capture of Dr. Jekyll... Sorry, Mr. Hyde, not Dr. Jekyll, or the, the, the turning into the werewolf. I remember it being quite... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There was lots of buzz about they've spent so much money on this and it's going to oh look so good and stuff like that. So, but, but I think they hit all of the. I think my point is, is 
I think it looks quite good. I think it's quite harmless in some ways. And it hits a lot of those blockbuster beats, like we've already touched on with the formula or the action and the, you know, if you think of things like the um, the way he is with Anna, the little playful banter they have, or the fact that some of the action beats in the film, or, you know, even things like, like you said, the music, the costumes. I think the music's great as well. I, mm. I, I'd never noticed the music before, and I think it's really great. Or even, you know, little things that you see in action films where, like, you know, the, the people... The, the two leads who are obviously going to get together land in a bit of a sexy position and isn't it funny, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like st- I, I think uh. all that sort of stuff is fairly harmless mm-hmm. and it doesn't take its, itself too seriously. And I do like the overall aesthetic and the idea as well. So we'll move on now then to talking about anything that we didn't like about the film or perhaps anything that we would change. So, Josh, give it to us. What are you thinking? I mean, like I said, it isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And it, it's probably the least I, I've enjoyed watching this film because I had to make myself find what I did and didn't like. Right. And I think when I first saw it, I was definitely the target age, the target yes. demographic. Yes. And, I, and I remember really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So I think that should be said before I criticise it, is that mm-hmm. I watched this when I was 13. I loved it when I was 13. And you could argue that it probably is four that sort of audience rather than mm-hmm. than the likes of us now. But mm. it's still got broad appeal, so make of that what you will. But for me, I think the main issue is probably the script and some mm. of the overall adaptation as well. So I'll split the script issues into two parts. The first part, very simple, is that some of the dialogue is just a bit cheesy. Uh-huh. Now, when I wrote that, when I, and I thought that I made a note of that, I did think to myself, to be fair, it is an adaptation of these 30s horror films and these all the texts. So perhaps some of the cheesy on-the-nose dialogue is, in a way, a bit of a tribute mm-hmm. to those films. So you do get the really over-the-top Dracula. <laughs> like He is basically the Count from Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or how I imagined I've not seen it yet. Nicholas Cage is in Renfield. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's like one step away from my van to start your blood, oh, isn't he? Like, like he's, so he yeah. is like, but I'm not sure. I'm pretty certain that's what people thought they were going to get. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that is fair. But there is some of the dialogue where, which isn't great, probably around Van Helsing as a character where he's a little bit like too heroic. Do you know what I mean? I think you could have kept that campiness and that tribute in the Dracula character, but you didn't need to have it in your leads and in perhaps in Kate Beckinsale's character as well. So that's sort of the issue. The main, but then the other issue is there are some real inconsistencies in the script that border on conveniences and plot holes. So mm-hmm. there's about three times or something in this film where a character just stumbles on what they need for the next yeah. bit. <laughs> so I think there's a whole bit in it that Anna's father was trying to find Dracula's lair. Mm. And one of the ways they find it is Carl, who is David Wenham's character, who is, like you say, his cue, his little monk friend who has all his gadgets, um, just leans on something. Mm. And just finds it. There's no like, oh, they followed the trail to get the thing and X marks the spot. There was just, he just found it. Mm. Or a little bit like Van Helsing just has a scroll which opens the door to Dracula's lair. There's no, oh, and then he found it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is right, isn't it? They just find shit. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And like when they're trying to find 
where there's like a, a a painting or a map or something on the wall, isn't there? The mural, and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, he was trying to find Dracula's lair, yeah, so yeah. staring at the map, and then the guy who's um, who's Faramir and Lord of the Rings. I can't yeah, remember David, his name. Dave, David Wenham. That's Car- him, yeah. Carl. He's just like, and he, it just comes to him. Like, yeah, oh, I, I've just figured it out. Just, and then he's just got now. the scroll and the scroll and it's like, <laughs> oh, it's not a map. It's the door. And it's yeah. like, it's a bit like, and again, you could write a lot of this off with, yeah, but it's a tribute to those old films, but it was very simple. But I think, again, you could do that tribute without making it shit. It and can, there, that's it, the thing. It, it can like, be both as well. Like, I think you're allowed to say it, it's fine that that is what the film was going for, yeah. and that it is following a particular style. And that's great. And I'm sure that is appealing to a lot of people. But there are ways that you can still do that and still hang on to the sort of previous magic of it whilst yeah. injecting a little bit more of a sophisticated kind of, you know, script or action yeah, or whatever a bit it may more be. More storytelling into it yes. rather than story happening. Yeah, um, exactly. So, that, like, for, and again, there's a bit where they need to find Frankenstein's monster and they just fall down a hole and he's there. Yeah. So stuff like that is a little bit, you know, come on, you could have thought of a better thing than that. It it is almost like they had the idea and then went, don't worry about the script, as long as all the characters meet and we get some action, I'm not bothered. And then that also suggests what you said, that it maybe is targeted to that younger audience who maybe, maybe yeah, looking yeah. for the nuances uh, as much uh, as we are. Absolutely, maybe. So, yeah, so a little bit of inconsistencies in the plot in, in, in that sense, in terms of what I've already said. Again, Dracula at one point says, I must go and find out who this new visitor is, and then mm. immediately knows it's Van Helsing and immediately recognises him and starts talking to him as if they know each other because yeah. they have... Again, they don't need that backstory. There's no need for them to have that backstory, but they give it them for no reason that they were fighting... That they were meant to be fighting in one of the Roman armies or something like that, and he killed him or something. I, I, but it's so in, it's so insignificant, so pointless. I didn't even really commit what it was to memory because there's no need for Dracula and Van Helsing. Van Helsing in the book Dracula is obviously a vampire hunter. He's played by Anthony Hopkins in Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. which we which we covered as one of your very first episodes. But he is not what Van Helsing is in this. He's not a you know. Big sexy leading man with load of gadgets. He's not an action hero. He's, mm. I think he's a doctor or he's or he's a minister or he's an, he's certainly an older man who does hunt vampires, but not in the action hero sense. More right. in the intellectual sense, if mm. mem- if memory serves from more from, Sherlock from Holmes less. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's not thing. he's not Hugh Jackman. He's a, and then that leads me to the other thing, which is they do just change some of the law and some of the rules of the world for convenience. So one of the things is they. They do change Van Helsing. They didn't need to make him the Van Helsing from the Dracula book. It's not even clear if he is the Van Helsing from the Dracula book because that Van Helsing is actually called Abraham, whereas yeah. he's called Gabriel in this. And it it's that he's the left hand of God or the right hand of God or or something like that. He didn't, I don't even know if you necessarily needed to do that or have him be that Van Helsing's son. Or I don't really know, but he didn't need to be. They could have done a bit more work with what is Van Helsing as a character. Is he... Dracula Van Helsing or is he another guy and he's you know big leading man action hero Van Helsing rather than man or older man intellectual Van Helsing um and then they changed some of the law as well which I've already touched on there which is things like he can only be a werewolf when the full moon is visible so I'd never noticed that before which is you're only a werewolf in this world if literally moonlight is shining on you mm. in which case surely it wouldn't be that hard to take a werewolf down. You just wait for the clouds to go over the moon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And But, but in this, yeah. it's like you, the full moon has to literally be visible. Whereas I always took it that 
you are a werewolf on a full moon. Yeah. It's not that if you are in view of the moon, <laughs> you no, are a I werewolf. Otherwise, either. you just stay inside. Yep, exactly. Um, exactly. And, and it wouldn't <laughs> afflict your life in any way. Um, yep. So things like that is like that's a bit convenient. Is that we need something to turn them in and out of monster form, so that we could show the CGI and have them talking, then fighting, then talking, then fighting. I don't think you needed to do that. You could have easily had just done it and just kept the rules the same. But mm. so there is, you know, there is a little bit of inconsistencies in the script, which I thought let it down because there's definitely an idea here. Mm. I mean, they tried to adapt it again um, and they were on for a long time about making a sequel or rebooting it. And then there was talk it was going to be Tom Cruise as Van Helsing. And then that became the mummy film that he made, mm. which obviously I, I haven't actually seen, but I don't think is a reboot of Van Helsing. I think it became the, what they were going to treat as part of the dark universe of the Universal films when they also made... I wanted to say they wanted to do like Creature from the Black Lagoon and Another Wolfman and stuff like that, which I don't think has yet come to pass. But anyway, I it, the script for me is, is what let it down in places. Some of that you can write off, but some of it I don't think you can. Let's hear what you what you think then. What what didn't you like about the, about about it? Uh, so I agree with a lot of what you said about the script. That probably was one of the weaker elements of it for me. Also things like, and it feels really stupid saying this in a film like this, but a lot of the characters obviously do just feel like caricatures. So it was very difficult for me to establish any sort of significant emotional connection to any mm. of them. So there was quite a bit of exposition dumping at the beginning as well. And then there was just like the odd line from characters that just felt a bit too daft and just a bit too... Uh, not sophisticated. So one of Dracula's um, brides or his assistants or whatever they are. So when she grabs Anna, she says, like, I can feel fresh blood running through her veins. And I was just like, yeah, you can. She's a living human being. Of course yeah, you can feel fresh and blood. And you're through. a vampire. I was just like, <laughs> it was just little things like that. I was like, well, that was a bit dumb. And I feel like mm. you could have said something maybe a bit darker, maybe a bit creepier, maybe a bit more of a nod and a wink to the hardcore Dracula fans. I don't know. But it just felt just really like meh some uh, some of the times. Um, some of the mise-en-scene did just get to me a little bit. It was just kind of too much, too over the top, and it felt a bit like a ghost house at a theme park at some times. There's obviously no subtlety to this film, and I do feel like maybe, obviously, that is the point, but sometimes it was just a bit too much for me, especially when we're kind of in and around Dracula's castle. Mm. It was just like, it just props and props and props and props. Like, it was just... It, the screen was always so full that it was all it was just a bit too much and it becomes a bit gimmicky um it was also visually really dark like yes. I had to turn yeah that I had was to turn the brightness well, I had to turn the brightness up to max we spent ages messing about with the settings on the TV to see if it was <laughs> our TV or whatever but it we did everything we could and it was still too dark so I have to infer from that 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 was a choice. And obviously when you're dealing with vampires and the supernatural and castles and all the lore kind of surrounding those things, I understand why you'd want it to be dark, but there is a way that you can darken your actors and your set in a way that doesn't leave your audience struggling to see what was going on, mm. um, which was just kind of irritating. I felt like I was missing so much of the detail, facial expressions, gestures, things like that. It was too dark. Uh, and just finally, this is a tiny little thing. Uh, it's not a dislike, but it was just something that I noticed. So I found myself wishing that Anna was wearing a more combat-ready outfit, yeah. right? Because she's wearing the tightest corset 
and the most immaculate clothing. But the film feels like it's trying to set her up to be this like incredible warrior and this mm. fighter. And I feel like she would have been wearing something more practical, right? She can still be sexy. I get that you've got her in there to be sexy and, and she can still look incredible. And obviously she does look incredible, but it ruined the immersion a little bit for me because a lot of her action sequences just felt a bit more unbelievable. Cause I was like, there's no way she's doing that yeah. because she wouldn't be able to breathe. There's no way she's running like that. There's no way she's bending like that. I was just like, I don't know, just put her in something <laughs> a bit more warrior, like Amazonian warrior-esque yeah, or whatever. I, I, I think, know it was snowy, uh, but... I actually think Kate Beckinsale said that herself. Did she? Yeah, <laughs> I think she was fairly, I think there I'm fairly certain she said something like she was happy when this was over because oh, of that God. that costume. And like it you say, looked tight, it, it, it looked tight. It's tight. It's uncomfortable. Well, it looks uncomfortable anyway. And, and, yeah, and and I do think she could have been given more to do as well. Certainly, because um, she's shown she... to be a very capable. She's talked so, up to be right? a very capable soldier or warrior, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. But you never actually see that because most of the time, either Van Helsing's there and saves her, or she's fighting something that she would never have a chance against anyway. Mm. So she never gets that chance to shine, and I think that was probably a missed opportunity, especially when you think about when it was made. So we'll move on then to talking about the critical reception in a moment. But first, Alice, I believe you're going to take us down the vampire hole. Oh, good one, good one. Yes, yeah. a special vampire hole for this week's edition <laughs> of Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. So for this edition of Alice Down the Rabbit Hole, we're going to delve into the life and times of Alan Armstrong, who plays the cardinal that we meet when Van Helsing goes to give his confession. Alan was born in the northeast of England in 1946, where his dad was a minor. He dabbled in the arts as a young man throughout school and later university, but feeling a bit out of place while studying fine art in Newcastle, he stopped attending his classes, found a job as a bricklayer, then a grave digger, and it seemed like that was that. But the call of performance was just too strong for Alan, and he eventually found work in the theatre and in radio dramas, eventually landing his first part on the silver screen in Get Carter in 1971. What followed has been a full and varied career spanning across film, television and theatre, including such hits as Braveheart, Porridge, Sleepy Hollow, The Mummy Returns, Penny Dreadful and Downton Abbey. But the thing I find most fascinating about this man is that his actual name is Alan, but he adopted Alan, a traditional Welsh name, as his stage name. Now, when I saw that name come up in the credits of Van Helsing, I was instantly drawn to it for obvious reasons. So imagine my surprise when it turned out that he was not Welsh. And after some desperate digging on the internet, there is no indication, no clue, no hint of information at all that I could find that explains why he would choose that name. Why would someone choose a Welsh stage name that many people are likely to mispronounce? I don't know. I couldn't find the answer. Alan Armstrong, please get in touch and tell me because this lack of conclusion is going to drive me mad forever. And that was Alice down the rabbit hole. (laughs) I can tell you why. It'll be because of equity. So someone else will have been called Alan Armstrong and he'll have just thought, I'll just change the A to a U. Maybe, but I couldn't <laughs> find any definitive proof. Because I see his name in the credits and I was like, oh, that sounds like he, a strong yeah, Welsh he, fellow there. He is in The Mummy Returns. And if you compare his character to his character in this, same guy. It's is like, he? it's the same guy. Um, <laughs> and also he, I think, was one of the original, if not the original, Thenardier in yes. Les Mis on the West yes, End. Yes, I had, I had the DVD of him doing the concert because when I see him in this, I was like, that guy looks familiar. Yeah, and then yeah. I see his IDB and I was like, oh, he was Mr. Tanadi in Les And if you YouTube it, there's an anniversary performance where he does it and it is spectacular. He's it good. Is, it is he's brilliant. a good one. <laughs> and his son is also an actor who wants you to know that because he's in Happy Valley. He plays the guy who gets shot in the first series. Um, you can't unsee it. But yeah. Spoilers for Happy yeah. Valley then. Well, someone gets shot. People get shot all the time in Happy People Valley. People get shot but, all the time. Yes, Alan Armstrong then, a Alan top Armstrong. Welsh Northeast lad. 
<laughs> we'll move on now then to talking about the critical reception. So you said you picked it because you think it's underrated. Mm. I am not surprised that it probably didn't do super well with the critics. Um, I haven't seen the critical reception. Let's have a think. So... I I thought it was okay, but I don't think it was terrible. And I feel annoyed at myself. I feel annoyed at myself that I didn't give it a proper chance when right. I fell asleep at the cinema that one time. Because I think it's better than I was expecting it to be, thought better it than I gave it credit for. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would I give it? I think I think you've got to, you've got to give this like a high six, man. There's wow. like it's so full. There's yeah. so much going on. I feel I felt like I did feel the same way about um, Bram Stoker's Dracula as well. Just yeah. the effort, looking at the effort. You cannot say that they've gone into this half-assed. Everyone, like every sort of designer, um, the actors, everything to do with the props and the costume, so oh, much effort. There's dollar-dollar so dollar bills to be seen there. Yeah, yeah. There's, so I've they've got been, a lot of time for that. Um, what did it get? You think it's underrated? Probably, I reckon we might be dipping down into the fours. Ooh, I reckon the fours. I reckon the critics probably gave it like a forty-five or something. Forty-five. You know? So yeah. I mean, so first of all, let's have a look. So your score there is re is a lot higher than I thought you'd give it. Mm. I thought you'd think it was. I, I thought you'd either hate it or think it was all right. Obviously, you yeah. did think it is all right, but you said high six then. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty good, right? So I'd probably give it about that as well. Maybe six yeah. high high six out of oh, ten. Um, so at the time of recording, the audience on IMDb give it six out of ten. Okay. Similarly, the audience on Rotten Tomatoes give it fifty-seven percent. Oh, okay. But the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and this is why I picked it, give it twenty-four percent. Oh no! Yeah. No, no, no. So that no, averages no. out at forty-seven percent or four point seven <sighs> out of ten. Now, for me. That what's interesting is I looked at what didn't the critics like, right? Uh, yes. So I tried to find a sort of 2004 review. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. sure if this is from 2004, but I did my best, but that is nearly 20 years ago. So one review says this is a hollow creature film that suffers from CGI overload. And I just thought, imagine them watching a film now. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is very much when I wouldn't maybe see CGI wasn't maybe in its infancy, but it, this was certainly when CGI was becoming so much more commonplace. Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays it's in everything. It's in films that you don't even realise it's in because it's just yeah. touching up shots and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. imagine him seeing, you know, the Hulk fight Thanos or something yeah. like that. Like that's, mm -hmm. So it's Venom. interesting. The, the yeah, Venom the Venom film. Fighting each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, the two CGI blobs going at it. Yeah. <laughs> going at it. I mean, that is... so So... I thought that was interesting, but just to go back to the critical reception, that's harsh for me. It's so harsh. That's, yeah, that's rotten. That's yeah. really rotten, yeah. you cheeky critics. All so those are we people saying, who work um, so hard on that I know, film. Yeah. How dare you give and, you and, a 20? You know, just that hair, man. <laughs> it's just great hair. I know. Um, the hat and the hair. The hat and the hair. Uh, so, yeah, are we saying underrated then? I think we got him, man. I think we got him <laughs> with that sort of critical score. Yeah. Van Helsing. Didn't expect this, but there you go. Underrated. Well, there we go. Another one in the bag. Very much underrated, which I think... Um, first time we've had one that I think is that underrated. We've been quite borderline or even disagreed a little bit in the last couple of weeks. So that's always good to see. Do you know what? Give it a watch. It's pretty harmless. It's daft. It's stupid. It's a bit crap in places. But do you know what? <laughs> it is, it's good fun. It is good fun. It is fun. Anyway, what is also good fun is that it's your turn to pick. 
Okay. So what are we going to be watching next week? Right. So this is genuinely, all jokes aside now, this has genuinely been really difficult for me. I have been so back and forth with this film, right? It's been on my list, off my list, on my list, off my list. And I'd got to a point where I decided, no, I'm definitely not doing it. And then I've flipped again and said, no, I I need to do it. And I just need to do it and tear the Band-Aid off. Rip that plaster off. Yeah. But what we're going to be doing for next week is Free Willy. Right. Okay. Mm. Free Willy it is then. The first one, obviously. Yes, the first one. And I'll go into much more detail about all the very different thoughts that I'm having about (laughs) that and why this was so difficult for me. Okay. Uh, Well, in that case, join us next week when we're going to be talking about Free Willy. Um, In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. If if you just search for Just Films and That on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you'll find us. Always trying to put stuff out there. So yeah, get get involved, get get following us and uh, see what we put out there. We're on Patreon as well. So if you head over to Patreon and search for us, if you're on there, any support you can give us is massively appreciated. But you know what? It's great that you're just here listening. And we are also on the television, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us every Friday from 6pm on the local TV network. So that's on Channel 7 or we're also on Channel 8 on Freeview in North Wales and South Wales. So that's every Friday evening from 6pm. I've also been uploading the videos to Daily Motion. If you want to hop on over to Daily Motion, if you search Just Films and that, you'll find us and you'll see what exactly it is that we're doing. Me and Josh chatting about all our favourite underrated and underrated underseen films yes there we go lots of ways to see us and hear us and uh yeah thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week with free willy um it's goodbye from me cheerio bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.